Hey, I'm Teague. And I'm Sam. And we're your well-informed girlfriends. Bringing you today's news, gossip, and unsolicited hot takes. This week on The App, we're talking about former President Donald Trump being acquitted for the second time in his impeachment trial. And the Free Britney movement is back up and running after FX released the Framing Britney doc. Plus, we got a rare self-cancellation from Bachelor host and EP Chris Harrison. What happened and what's happening next? Coming up. Oh, and happy Singles Awareness Day! <sighs> All of that and more on this week's episode of Well-Informed Girlfriends. So unless you've been living under a rock, which, hey, I wouldn't blame you, you know that former President Donald Trump was acquitted in his second impeachment trial. So just in case you haven't been paying super close attention to it, we get it, who wants to relive this over and over, we're going to break down really quickly exactly what happened here. Right. So first of all, we should explain what's going on in the Republican Party. There's kind of like a fight for the soul and the heart of the party happening. It's down to two halves, like Donald Trump and his followers, and then sort of the old guard people who like to remind everyone that they're the party of Lincoln, if you will. We talked about that a lot last week, so we won't rehash all of it over again. But basically, there are a lot of higher-up GOP influencers, if you will, who aren't exactly fans of Trump. I can confirm that personally. I know of several. And who think that, like, what he's doing to the party is, in a word, deplorable. Many people who are like from my wing of the party, who are common sense conservatives that were not really Donald, strong Donald Trump uh, supporters, uh, they all won. And, uh, you know, people like Susan Collins won, and Phil Cox, uh, uh, you know, Phil Scott up in, uh, right. in, in Vermont. We picked up a whole lot of House seats in all the suburban districts. So I, I think the party has a winning message. Uh, we just had a bad messenger. And I think we've got to move on from the cult of Donald Trump and return to the basic principles that the party's always stood for. That was Larry Hogan, the Republican governor of Maryland, on Meet the Press Sunday morning. But as you undoubtedly know, Trump still walked away from the impeachment trial that he didn't really attend, um, not guilty of incitement of insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. The House Democrats made their case to the Senate, who then voted 57 to 43 to convict him. Yes. They did have the simple majority, but they needed two-thirds of the vote or 67 votes to secure such a conviction, so they didn't. We wanted to talk for a second about what the really powerful argument that the House Dems made and some of those super powerful videos from the riots that like just really took our breath away. We will stop the steal. Today I will lay out just some of the evidence proving that we won this election and we won it by a landslide. This was not a close election. And after this, we're going to walk down, and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. Yeah! yeah. Let's take the Capitol. Take the Capitol. We are going to the Capitol. Yeah, so we just played some of the sound from the 13-minute video that was played at the impeachment trial. This was... I mean, we've seen a lot of this footage, you know, over the past, you know, few weeks. Although I gotta say, the way that they put this together, I was crying because it just made me so sad. And um, it was it was so much worse than I think a lot of us even realized. And um, just horrible and horrific and really scary sights. And you know, I think the thing that struck me the most too is that these people. Um, that were there, there were so many of them and they're so unhappy. Mm -hmm. And um, 
like it just makes me really sad that this is kind of the reality that we're living in and i hope that um things start to settle down after trump's out of office but um you can obviously see that a lot of people are still probably really unhappy in this country and it's it's really unfortunate to see overall so uh, yeah, the video was crazy. Did you you watch the whole video, Sam? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I watched a lot of the whole trial actually, and I have to say that I did. I had watched a lot of the videos sort of as it was happening, just because mm-hmm. of work, and I had seen some of the photos that a lot of us didn't run of the shooting and what have you and that sort of stuff. So it wasn't exactly new to me, but I can't help but get emotional every time I watch it, just because I don't know. I'm consistently floored by the fact that this even happened. I right. Still in shock about it. And that's the crazy thing, too. The, the way this video, if you haven't watched this video, the crazy thing, first of all, you should. Um, but second of all, the crazy thing is it really lays out a really good timeline of, like, how this happened and how people started rolling into the Capitol, then they broke in, and then, like, literally, they were on the House floor, right? The senators and everyone that was there were, they were still on the floor, and people had broken in, and you see how close everybody got to... Um, really being destructive and and making a even more of a damaging and dangerous impact so it was crazy to see um and also you see like literally it was like four hours until trump even called people off um which was another really interesting thing that i kind of i knew but i you know seeing it laid out like that i was like geez that was a long time so right i know i four hours can you believe it i just i will never not be shocked by it let me put it that way yeah So let's talk about what his acquittal actually means going forward. The most direct impact, of course, is that Trump is now free to run again for federal office. He'll be turning 78 in 2024, so it's unclear if he actually will, but he might. Another important impact, perhaps unintentionally, and this is like a little bit in the weeds, but stick with me. Senate Republicans sort of gave presidents a free pass to do untoward things during the lame duck period. Let me explain. Republicans and Democrats alike agreed that Trump was definitely at least part of the reason, if not all of it, that the riots at the Capitol even happened at the beginning of January. The Senate, then run by the GOP, Kentucky Senator Mitch McConnell, said they couldn't possibly do an impeachment trial before Trump left office. And then Saturday, when the majority of sitting Republican senators voted to acquit him, they argued that they couldn't possibly have found him guilty because he was no longer in office. This is like the craziest argument to me because, <laughs> yeah. look, he was president in January. He was still president, right? Yeah. I mean, he was the, still president in, until the, like the 20th. Yeah, right. And whatever his right. And whatever his role was in the insurrection, uh, he still was president in January. So it doesn't make sense that, oh, just because we don't have time to do a whole trial. It's that's a cra- that's a crazy argument to me. But eh, right. So no, exactly. So that's not really the case when the Senate and anyways, I mean, in any case, when they agreed to try him this time around, basically they, as the Democrats argued, they argued that that meant they all agreed it was possible to impeach him. So to retroactively then say it's not is a little bit disingenuous. And second of all, it means if you can't bring articles of impeachment against a sitting president before a new administration begins in mid-January, mid to late January, then and you can't bring them after the president in question leaves office, it gives all future presidents a few weeks of what like could be a free-for-all. I mean, it probably oh, yeah. won't be, but it's worth noting that that is always a possibility. And so after Trump was acquitted, Mitch McConnell, senator from Kentucky, current minority leader, took to the floor to explain 
how terrible he believes Trump is. This is not an exaggeration. Here's a clip. They stormed the Senate floor. They tried to hunt down the Speaker of the House. They built a gallows and chanted about murdering the Vice President. They did this because they'd been fed wild falsehoods by the most powerful man on earth. Because he was angry, he lost an election. Former President Trump's actions preceded the riot were a disgraceful, disgraceful duty. There's no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. No question about it. The people who stormed this building believed they were acting on the wishes and instructions of their president. And having that belief was a foreseeable consequence of the growing crescendo of false statements, conspiracy theories, and reckless hyperbole. Okay, and then after he talked, House Democrats held a press conference and Nancy Pelosi, current House Speaker from California, was actually so mad that she crashed it and she like railed against Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, who when this distinguished group of House managers were gathered on January 15th to deliver the articles of impeachment, could not, we're told, it could not be received because Mitch McConnell had shut down the Senate and was going to keep it shut down until right, until the inauguration. So for him to get up there and make this indictment against the president and then say, but I can't, I can't uh, vote for it because it's after the fact. The fact that he established, the fact that he established that it could not be delivered before the inauguration. Now, when you think about January 6th, between January 6th and January 20th, you're only talking about just under two weeks, a day under two weeks. So the big lies, uh, stop the steal, the big lie that you talked about, stop the steal, was the momentum for getting these people there on the 6th. So anyways, all of this to say, what's next? Basically, we don't know. There aren't many other ways for Trump to be permanently banned from office. There's an obscure section of the 14th Amendment that targeted former Confederates, one super unlikely option. Criminal prosecution's another, so we'll have to wait and see what happens next in the GOP. But what do you think the outcome of the trial should have been? What do you think he'll do next, Teague? You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think Trump is going to start some sort of news program, channel, um, you know, a way for him to reach his base. Um, so whether that means it's a, you know, a, a Trump channel or whatever, I just feel like the guy loves to hear himself talk. So I think that that will, <laughs> um, you know, 24 hour place for him to be able to voice his opinion is something that he's probably going to have. So that's, I mean, that's my prediction on what he'll do next. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like running for office, the one thing I will say is, um, and I've heard discussions about this is, 
if he's tried in a criminal case, and there's obviously a bunch of things that are going to come down on him pretty soon as far yeah. as lawsuits and things like that, he technically can't really get back into politics if he's in criminal cases, right? If he's involved in criminal cases? I mean, cases? If, if he's not convicted, I don't right. think there's anything really that's stopping him. He would have to be convicted of something. It, right. You know what I mean? And it has it, to, it can't just be like misdemeanors. It has to be like high crimes or something. Yeah. Well, so, which, which feels like it's possible, but hey, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, like if he's in jail, no, he can't be running for office, but. Yeah. Anyways, we'll see what happens. We'll yeah. Well, see. I mean, what do you think? I mean, Pundit Sam thinks that he will try and find a way back in, but the eternal optimist in me hopes that. He just goes back to Florida and lives his best life. I saw some stories that um, his aides were saying he's much happier when he's out of office. So I'm like, oh, my God, good for you. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not surprised he wasn't. I'm not surprised he was acquitted. Um, I do wonder how people were able to listen to those presentations in this past week and still acquit him. But that's just me. Um, as for what Trump will do next, I have no idea. I, yeah, I mean, like, I would think that he would want to just, like, golf and enjoy being an old guy and, like, hanging out in Florida. Right? Like, that sounds so fun. T- talking about that time he was president. But, like, I have no idea. I couldn't possibly guess, and I'm afraid to. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I won't. Well, speaking of things that are scaring us, I just watched the Free Britney doc. Did you watch it? No, I still haven't. Okay, well, I'll break it down for you um, if you haven't watched it. So last Friday, FX released a new documentary called Framing Britney, uh, which details the facts, theories, and events surrounding Britney Spears' ongoing conservatorship battle with her father, Jamie Spears. So there was a lot going on in this documentary. If you haven't watched it, I would suggest it. It's on Hulu. Um, But there's a few things that I thought were really noteworthy and shocking. I mean, obviously, we were all alive during this time, but I just didn't realize the gravity of some of these things that were happening to this poor young pop star. Um, And it's interesting the way... Anyways, here's here's the things that I thought were shocking. First, they showed a lot of um, interaction that she had with media at the time. And they were, dare I say horrible to her um there was one there was one interview um and it was like a huge press conference and someone just blatantly asked like are you a virgin what like why is that oh yeah i remember that how is that pertinent to anything um so that was interesting and then there were also like a bunch of interviews um with her i think it was one with barbara walters who was like you know questioning her being a good example a role model for young girls and she was basically saying basically like defend yourself like why people think you're a bad example for young girls and um Brittany started crying because it was so it was just really hurtful and mean yeah it was really interesting to see uh the rhetoric surrounded by her another thing I think was interesting was um we saw the interaction between Justin Timberlake and Brittany after their breakup and the way that the media kind of shaped that relationship falling apart was that everyone somehow took Justin Timberlake's side and um, like kind of insinuated that Britney was the reason that it it ended and maybe she had been with someone else or something. Um, And so that was really interesting to see. And on that note, Justin Timberlake um, weighed in after the documentary was public. Oh, Um, yeah, he he apologized. 
Yeah, he apologized, which I think is big, obviously, and like, thanks, Justin, but I'm sorry, it's a little late, question mark? You don't, you didn't, <laughs> it's been a million years, but I guess it, unless it comes up, you don't feel the need to uh, comment on stuff like this. But here's what Justin said after the documentary was released. Um, he said, I've seen the messages, tags, comments. Um, I'm deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem, where I spoke out of turn or did not speak up for what was right. Um, I specifically want to apologize to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson, remember that Super Bowl thing, um, both individually because I care for and respect these women and I know I failed. Um, and then he continued to say, I, th I think this is interesting. He said that the industry is flawed. It sets men, especially white men, up for success. And as a man in a privileged position, I have to be vocal about this. Because of my ignorance, I didn't recognize it for all that it was while it was happening in my own life. But I do not want to benefit from others being pulled down again. So I think that was big of Justin Timberlake. Again, I would say, uh, where have you been? You sort of said bare that. minimum, but sure, yeah. <laughs> sure, thank you so, so much, uh, Justin. Um, so yeah, it, that was interesting to see. And then also, um, yeah, they also they also take a deep look into the Free Britney movement. And you know what, you got, I gotta say, like, thank goodness for Britney's fans because it just feels like this whole documentary, I was watching it, I was like, God, she just feels like she just, it feels like she's so alone. Like, I don't know who's really in her corner, who was in her corner at that time. And mm -hmm. where, where are, where's her support system? It makes me like really sad. Um, but it's really cool to see that her fans care so much and want the best for her. So I think that that was interesting all around. You got to yeah. watch it if you haven't seen it. But that's kind of what all the buzz is about if you haven't seen it. Well, did you see her responses that have kind of been about it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is she saying? She basically just said, like, you can't make judgment without having been there. And, like, I love performing and that sort of thing. So, I don't well, know. It's good. like, I, I don't mean... really know what to believe. Because, like, I'm assuming that she posts on her own Instagram. Because she posts all those, like, selfie videos of her dancing. But, like, who knows, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a definitely... it. it I mean, this is just me kind of, like, taking... Uh, you know, making an assumption, but I do feel like there is a lot of, um, there's people that are overseeing that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. the things that she posts. And I think she's limited in a, in a lot of ways on like what she can say and, and how she can say it and who she can say it to. So yeah, I felt really bad for her. And I just was like, God, you just don't realize like she was just such a mega star and you thought that she had it all together and to see like what the behind the scenes were made me really sad. Oh, and they also talked to, First of all, I also didn't realize the paparazzi were literally psycho in the 90s. And they were making like millions of dollars off of Britney Spears' her breakdown, essentially. Oh, that's um, bad. Oh, my God. It was really sad to see. And they also, they talked to, in the documentary, they talked to the guy who, she remember she hit um, a guy's truck with, uh, the paparazzi's truck with an umbrella. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I do remember episode? that. Yeah, so um, they talked to that guy, and he had profited off of her for so long, mm -hmm. and for him to sell those photos and, and profit even more was just, like, horrible and disgusting to me. And, and she, was, she was going through a breakup at the time with, I think, Kevin Federline, and so she was going through a lot, and uh, that's what happened. Yeah, it was really, it was really sad. It was, it's worth watching if you're a Britney fan and you want to gain an, a new perspective for sure. One of my coworkers was like, only watch this if you're not feeling sad because it'll really depress you. And I was like, oh, 
I mean, I'll, maybe I'll watch it after Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's more so eye-opening than sad, but it definitely makes you, yeah, question what was happening at that time. So let's talk about The Bachelor. The Oof. host, Chris Harrison, yeah, said he's stepping aside from the show for a period of time after defending a current frontrunner who came under scrutiny for old social media posts. Tell us about <sighs> it. Okay, so this is crazy in so many ways uh but let's break down what happened and then we can talk about it so first of all chris harrison was talking to the former bachelorette rachel Lindsay on extra and um they were talking about rachel kirkconnell so don't get confused this is a different rachel this is a current contestant on this season of the bachelor oh so, we could do like rachel l and rachel k just like on the show right <laughs> So Rachel Kay, um, someone found uh, photos of her attending an antebellum plantation-themed ball at Georgia College and State University, thrown by the fraternity there, Kappa Alpha. So Rachel Kay is, was in some heat, under some fire um, for these photos that had resurfaced. And by the way, this plantation-themed fraternity formal, I think it's important to note, happened in 2018. Ooh. So that is... Like, literally feels like yesterday. I'm pretty sure the 90s were yesterday. So, yeah, 2018 was, like, five minutes ago. Right. I just blinked. <laughs> um, so, the problem is, um, the problem is, Chris Harrison and Rachel Lindsay, Rachel L., were talking about this whole debacle and, and the backlash that Rachel Kirkconnell was, was facing. And Chris Harrison basically defended Rachel Kirkconnell for it. And he said, look, you know, 2021, maybe that wasn't PC to attend a party like that. But 2018, that's totally fine. What? We were living in a different world. I'm sorry, uh, Chris. What? That's just like, again, 2018 was literally yesterday. You can't say that was like we were living in a different world. Um, so anyways, <laughs> that's kind of what happened. So I, Rachel I, K apologized, right? Yeah, well, yes, obviously, Rachel K. Kirkconnell um, apologized on Instagram Thursday night, and she wrote her ignorance was racist and that she didn't recognize how offensive and racist her actions were, and she doesn't think that any of that excuses the way she acted. My question for you, Sam, is who's at fault here? You know, is it the fraternity, the university? Is it Rachel K., all those people that were in attendance at that party? Also, how on earth is an antebellum plantation-themed ball still happening in 2018? <laughs> okay, well, obviously you shouldn't be having antebellum-themed anything in 2018. Right? Um, but having lived in the South, you know, it is a different world down there, kind of. I say that with love for any Southerners listening sometimes. Um, they do still have, like, Civil War reenactments and, like, what is it that they say in Sweet Home, Alabama? The day the Confederacy the died, it became immortal. So I can see how this is still happening in Georgia. What I am a little bit shocked by, and I suppose I maybe shouldn't be, but I'm shocked that a fraternity would dare throw such a party. I mean, like, we went to school at Mizzou, and I don't remember that ever happening. No. Um, I don't think it's the university's fault. As you know, most universities have very little control over what parties frats throw. Um, right. I do think that Rachel K should have thought about it before going. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think that, that it's really defensible. I think saying that you have learned since then is a good, you know, move, but 
it's kind of like you have no other option other than to apologize because you are being ignorant and that is racist right well and especially because she's on the current season with the first black bachelor so (laughs) oh i forgot about that yeah right actually can we talk briefly about diversity and the bachelor franchise in general because it's like been much maligned for many years over you know i mean not just the fact that it is maybe a little bit demeaning to the women who participate but also you know people have talked a lot about how the lack of diversity is like absolutely there rachel Lindsay, who we're just talking about was like i think the first black bachelorette right Mm -hmm. and like they just had the first black bachelor this season so i mean Obviously, seasons later. I know. It's not exactly a show known <laughs> for its, like, diversity in the first place. So to come back and have this happen, it's just kind of, like, woof. It's woofy. It and is also, definitely woofy. It's woofy, and, like, you know, I'm, I appreciate that the Bachelor franchise is, like, trying to, like, make it right, but they got to continue to do some work here because uh, I don't think they got it right yet. No, they definitely need to keep working on it. I think Rachel Lindsay said it herself. She's like, I'm done. Like, I'm on contract, but when that's over, I'm done. And I'm like, I don't blame you. I would probably, too. For real. Anyways. Speaking of people who are so done, T-Swift, she is back and re-recording the masters of her hits she made under Scooter Braun's control, and she dropped a new version of Love Story this week. I may have listened to it, like, 200 times. Did you like it? Did you listen? Yeah, I listened and I loved it. I mean, it's just kind of like a fun nostalgia feeling, you know, and I think everybody was kind of like excited to just like relive those moments. Also, it's crazy, like numbers wise, like her, her, it's doing better than it did when it was first released. Um, You know, there's there's (laughs) more down. It's so funny. Yeah, more downloads, more streams, more listens. Um, And even like on the radio, somehow there was still more um, plays than there was the first time around. So. Yeah, I think it all worked out for her. She's really sticking it to the man, and I kind of love that for her. Yeah, it is cool. It's it's kind of like a fun way of her rewriting history, and I think it's awesome that she's taking ownership of what she's done. Yeah, she's cool. For sure. Well, and it came out when we were in high school, so that was like, what, 10, 15 years ago? Yeah. So I guess there's more streams in general now, but, like, that's right. great. That's great for her. I love that. So the vaccine is in sight for so many people, um, and that kind of led us to the question of, do you think the people that are in these serious relationships, they got into these serious relationships in quarantine, they kind of had their person to go through quarantine with, do you think those people are going to stay in these relationships that they started in lockdown, or do you think they're going to break free once they get the vaccine and have freedom again? What's your opinion? I think that... A lot of them will come to an end. Wow. But I think, I know, bold statement, but I do think some of them will stay together. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I think. Those are good guesses. I would, I mean, I'm I'm obviously like couching (laughs) my answer here because I do know some couples that I would like to see stay together. Like my brother has been dating this girl and they were seeing each other before the pandemic and got like super serious currently. Um, and I would like them to stay together. So I'm not rooting. Like I'm not anti-love. You know what I mean? I want people to be happy and in love. Right. But I do think that a lot of these relationships born out of necessity when they realize that their interests don't like, okay, example, I love to go out dancing, but I haven't been out dancing in a year and and some change now. So realistically, I, I could have dated someone for the full last year and been like, oh, you know, that's cool. Let's Netflix and chill tonight. But then 
now, you know, oh, the world reopens. I want to go salsa dancing and you don't like to do that. And that's like right. one of my favorite things to, I mean, I'm giving an example. I don't actually even salsa dance, but you know what I mean? I'm just saying yeah. like, I think that it's very possible that we'll come to find a lot of couples that got together in this pandemic, don't have a ton of shared interests and that they mm -hmm. haven't realized that because they weren't allowed to do their interests until now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I'm a totally different person in and out of lockdown for sure. Yeah, so. exactly. Like I like to go out dancing. I like to go out eating and drinking. Like I like to go to swim team. I like have so many other interests that I haven't been able to do for like a year. And so, I mean, I could have very easily dated someone for the last year and then like woken up the first day after the pandemic's over and been like, okay, well, like, should we go out dancing tonight? And him be like, I don't dance. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that that's an interesting slash uh, probably accurate guess. But I'm I sure mean, that there are think? some people. I don't know. You know, I don't know. This is hard for me to weigh in on because I didn't really have any serious sort of relationship during the pandemic. I mean, me um, neither. This is all like based on anecdotal <laughs> evidence and personal opinion for sure. <laughs> um, but I do think I, I kind of feel like with the vaccine coming out, the guys that I was like kind of talking to, um, and like, I'm thinking of one in particular, like, I feel like I see his mouth just like salivating to get out there and like go to <laughs> bars again and like be single and stuff. And I just feel like, you know, anything that I thought I might've had with this guy, I'm sure will be totally over because he looks like he is just stoked to get back on the scene. Oh, for sure. So, you know, I mean, whatever. I, I mean, like, listen, I said this to my roommate and I'll say it again. Fuck boy's going to fuck boy. Like for sure. You can't change. Don't ever think that you could change a man no matter no. what pandemic is happening. You know what I mean? Like, I'm <laughs> no sorry. matter the pandemic. No matter the pandemic. Don't think you can change a man. And so, like, yeah, they have to be ready for that. They can't just be forced into it by a government shutdown or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, like, no, I don't think some of them will keep keep it up. But I do, I mean, like, who knows? Who's to say? I lo personally love love, and I want people to be happy. So if you are in a pandemic relationship and you – you know, are loving your life. I hope that it works out for you. I do. I Same. just am cynical. Same. So. Sorry. Same. I do. I do kind of and kind of. I'm a little jealous, but it's okay. Oh, yeah. No, do I'm you, so jealous. You. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of my well, well-informed cynicism, I wanted to talk for a moment about why I hate Valentine's Day. Oh, cute. This I is actually, a sweet segment. Yeah. I actually made a list for Teague so that she would know what we were going to talk about in this segment. So first off, wow. it's stupid. It's so stupid. Like, I hate it because it's that's stupid. your first reason. That's, that's my your first reason is that it's stupid. But second of all, if you're really in love, you should be telling that person every day, not just on a random arbitrary day in the shittiest month of the year, February. It's Singles <laughs> Awareness Day, and I'm very effing aware of it. That's irritating. It makes everyone feel bad about not having someone. And finally, and this is, I think, what really closes the argument. It's the clincher, if you will. Okay. The Romans started this whole damn thing with this random festival called Lupercalia or something. They literally killed a goat and a dog for the gods and then whipped women with the hides of the animals <gasps> they just murdered. And the women, wait for it, lined up and let them do it because they thought it was going to make them fertile. That's messed up. And think about that. Every time you go out to dinner on Valentine's Day, you're welcome. Okay. Well, first of all, <laughs> Sam, thank you for taking us down that very deep dark hole you are in right now <laughs> no problem um i have to say i didn't know the story of lupercalia or whatever that is so yeah that's well and then horrible. like two people that were later made saints in the catholic church were like executed on the 14th and their names are valentine's day and then they like it's like that was like the farthest that's the beginning of the, the origins of the holiday but like just know that is the origin 
of yeah. the holiday. Yeah, I thought that Hallmark made it up, but it's Well, I mean, like they kind was... of did. In the 20s, Hallmark started selling Valentine's Day cards. It's like an obvious ploy to get you to spend money, and that's kind of like where it really comes from. But like, yeah, it happened. It's been going on for um, centuries, and it is gross, and I hate it. <laughs> back to my original point. It's so dumb. So dumb. Yeah, that's, uh, thank you for that. No uh, problem. Piece. Here to share. So. You don't think it's dumb? No, uh, you know, I. <laughs> that was a loaded question. How do you no, no, feel no. about Valentine's Day? I feel like pretty indifferent. Like, again, like I'm not in a relationship, so it doesn't really like, this is just another Sunday for me. Um, okay, Sam, since we're, <laughs> since we're still talking about love, yes. why don't we break down, today I did a story about the best rom-coms to watch with or without a man. Oh, which- yes, we did. I actually wrote it, and that's why I wanted to talk about it, because as, despite my earlier antidote about how much I hate Valentine's Day, I don't hate love. So okay. So looking for some movies t- <laughs> to watch, um, I put together a list of 20 about love, romance, etc., you can find that on today.com, but I wanted to talk about our personal favorites. I have so many because I actually am like an expert in rom-coms and like comedies about love. And I would say that my personal favorite this week is The Proposal. That's a great um, one. But like, I, I mean, other classics involve like Legally Blonde, Notting Hill. Some of these are just straight comedies. Like Legally Blonde is just a comedy, but you get it. It has love in it. Um, I mean, there's just so many good ones. I just watched All the Boys I Love before the original last night in anticipation of watching the new one tonight. I'm very excited about that. Cute. I don't know. Teague, what's your favorite romantic movie to watch? You know, I love Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon, and their movie that they oh. wrote made uh, The Big Sick is one of my favorite love story movies, um, and it's based on the way that they met, and um, that's one of my favorites, if it's not so my favorite. Sweet. And it's set in Chicago, so you got to love the rep. Yeah, love it. Love the Chicago rep as well. Yeah, exactly. I love that one. No, that's a really good one. I put that one on my list, too. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Thank you. Um, well, that's a good choice. And if, I, if you're listening and you decided to, you know, not do anything special on Valentine's Day, good on you. But if you did something special, just know that I'm only moderately judging you. And part of it stems from jealousy. So that's cool. Speaking of jealousy, let's talk about New Year's resolutions. Did you make New it Year's. this year? It's like February. Wait. How's it going? Okay, Sam. Okay, uh, everyone who's listening, I would just like to say we put this doc together throughout the week and we took put stories in here. I saw this story at the end of our breakdown and I was like, Sam, New Year's resolutions. Like, I, I truly reading it out loud, I was like, are those even a thing this year? Who is doing that this year? I don't even know. 20, that, who, I literally like hadn't thought about making a New Year's resolution so much so that I was like, that seems like such a foreign, it just seemed like a foreign concept even looking at the words. So I think that should tell you. Absolutely not, Sam. My only resolution, and I didn't even think about it until right now, is like just to like be sane and try and be like happy and calm, cool, collected this year a little bit more than last year. Um, So I have no resolutions. Are you kidding me? Did you make resolutions? I mean, I kind of just, like, carried over. Like, I went back and found my vision board for 2020, which I think you were, we made together pre-pandemic. Or Sad. right at the beginning of the pandemic. Maybe it was, like, March, and we are like, this is what we're going to do. And I was, like, going to get – I was going to, like, make some money. I was going to save. I was going to adopt a dog. I actually did get a dog. So that's, that's the one thing I accomplished mm-hmm. um, in 2020. But, yeah, no, I mean, my resolutions are going very poorly, per usual. Yeah, I mean, I just, like, can't even think about 
what I, I just, I want so much that it feels silly to even make one resolution because <laughs> everything just needs to be improved. You know what I'm saying? I know. Literally, there is nowhere to go but up, as they yeah, say. That's right. kind of where I'm at mentally. Like, <laughs> could, could accomplish a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So we've checked in now on our New Year's resolutions and they are not going great. Yeah, yeah. I don't have one, so. <laughs> so you're actually doing great. Like, yeah. you set the bar really low. I'm crushing it. Killed it. A plus. Killed I love it. That. I love that journey for you. <laughs> okay, well, this has been so fun. I'm happy we did this on our Singles Awareness Day. Ugh. Um, Thank you guys all for tuning in, if you want to. And we never push this, but it would be cool if we did. <laughs> Um, if you would like to possibly go to our iTunes or Apple uh, podcast page and rate us, maybe even give us a comment. That would be really dope. We would shout you out um, if you did that. Um, that would be really great, and we would really love that. Thank you guys so much. Again, we will talk to you next week. If you want to follow us throughout the week, though, you can follow us on Well-Informed Girlfriends on Insta. And my personal is at TeagueDP. And mine's at Samantha Kubota. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one, everyone. Yay! Bye.